Listen, before we get even a second into this podcast episode, I need to dedicate it to my lovely and amazing wife. Um, the reason that this episode is even getting published is because she is who she is, exactly who I need um, in times when I doubt myself. So I have to tell you, I'm not pleased with the audio quality of this episode. As I explained at the very beginning, it was recorded outside and there is a water dripping sound because our, our patio heater is melting the snow above the gazebo. And uh, that dripping must be landing on a table. I think it's our table. And these microphones are pretty powerful and it, uh, it picks up that steady drip and uh, the, the sound of it dripping drove me nuts to the point where I, I loudly asked for my wife to please come into the room and tell me what she thought because I was considering scrapping all of the audio and thinking about re-recording and asking a guest to do that is embarrassing and not something I wanted to do. So she said, it's not really that bad. You notice it the most. And if you just explain it away at the beginning, let the people know, I think it's fine. So thank you. Um, everything else you need to know, you'll hear in the intro. Thanks for listening to my podcast, everybody. It does mean a lot to me. It's Rick's podcast. Hey, friends, family, friends who are family, floth, and the odd listener who is listening that doesn't know me has somehow got a hold of this. Uh, my guest today is TJ Thompson. Um, we are friends, we are neighbors, and uh, we're chilling in my backyard right now underneath the gazebo with the heater going. And if you hear odd sounds of dripping, it is the snow on top of the gazebo melting and dripping and falling. I assure you, no one is urinating. <laughs> <laughs> no one is urinating. <laughs> TJ, what is up? How are you? I, I'm good. You know, I've been inside of my house for too long walking over here my eyes were like bleeding from the sunshine but i i've adjusted now and i'm nice and toasty under this patio heater so it's great it's pretty dope it's nice that i can still podcast on nice days locally um yeah, yeah. we should have we should have done this a long time ago it's fantastic yeah. outside so you and i bumped into each other um on facebook in our facebook group uh for the neighborhood bay ridges uh what's it called bay ridges Pickering or something? Yeah, at Bay Ridge's neighborhood group. Or... Yeah, something like that. And you're an active participant on there, and I think we've interacted on a few things, but we wound up uh, chatting and then becoming friends. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate knowing you. You've been one of these like super cool, interesting, different people that like <laughs> has come into my life, and, and you kind of opened the door to a, a possibility that was potentially pretty life-changing. So I wanted to talk to you about that today. Well, thank you. I, that's actually really kind. Uh, love opening doors, possibilities. So, yeah. Do you want to tell everyone how this all started? For sure. Um, like the political side of things? Yes, or? please. Okay. All right. So, I work at Queen's Park. Okay. I, um, I'm a legislative assistant to one of our Durham MPPs, uh, Jennifer French. And um, I've known Jennifer for a long time. Uh, she was a teacher when I was trying to do my um, practicums for my Bachelor of Ed at York. 
and it, it was just complete fluke that we met each other. She worked at the school in my neighborhood and I needed a practicum. I needed a mentor. So I walked over, <clears throat> introduced myself and she said, well, if you're going to be my student teacher, you're going to have to work pretty hard. And I knew I was in the right place. Nice. Yeah. So, um, it's kind of nice to pay that forward a little bit to you and to encourage you to do, you know, something with yourself as well. So politics is, it's an interesting place. It is. Um, but everyone is capable of leading change. Um, I, I think it takes the right support around you to lead change. Um, I've seen that with Jennifer. I've seen that with other MPPs. I've, I've seen the opposite where um, they're not supported. And okay. we're watching that right now with Doug Ford and Rod Phillips. And there's a whole lot of controversy about um, politics right now. I mean, there always is. but Well, I mean, there's, some things are pretty simple. When, when you and your organization come out and say, don't travel, everyone, let's not travel. And then this guy jumps on a plane and goes to the Caribbean for two weeks. Yeah. And Ford knew. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was proud of him for at least admitting that he knew, but, like, I wasn't proud that he didn't, like, beat himself up a little bit more for not making him not go. Yeah. You know, it was like a, yeah, I turned a blind eye and I'm mad at myself. Let's get him, though. Yeah, it'll be... I was actually a little bit shocked to see that he was only... uh, taken out of the finance minister role it's like mm, no i think he should completely step down mm-hmm. you're not a good representative and you know from what i watched on cp24 interviewing folks in ajax not one person supported what he was doing i, I don't know how you could we're all literally doing our best or we should be step it up people if you're not i think um but and then he, he just he just Broke his own ruling. When? Yeah, and he's not the only guy, right? So now it's kind of been this domino effect of, you know, ooh, what MPPs? Like, let's see proof of life that you are in your riding, you know? And it's uh, it's actually really interesting. I am one of those people on Twitter who read the comments. Okay. You know, they always say to politicians, don't read the comments. Mm-hmm. It's true. The comments are savage. But if they're warranted, then we need to pay attention to that, right? Like, if people are... Um, upset that our politicians are not leading then why are they leading yeah right we the people have that power yeah and i i personally i'm not waiting for the next election i would like to see some accountability now from the ford government um you know it's it's interesting because across canada there is a domino effect of who else is out of the country and people are getting held held accountable um I think there was an NDP member, an Mm -hmm. NP, NDP member. So it is across all parties, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here as... uh, No, the Orange Party would never do that. Like, we are not... We are people wearing shirts, right? Yes, Individuals will make individual decisions. Nobody nobody truly is, you know, through and through the representative of that party. But, like, if you're wearing the orange shirt, you should probably do things the way that the orange shirt is saying to do them. Yes, Right? Yes. But people are going to make mistakes and people are going to be selfish. And you're right. It's going to cross all party lines for sure. And as you know, like working on a team, um, you do have to follow your leader. Right? Every team has a leader. And that Mm -hmm. leader has, 
you know, the big picture and can see the big picture of all of the things that maybe you as one person on that team can't see. A team has strengths and weak strengths and weaknesses, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're starting to see where the weak links are in every team. And it's, it's interesting to see what's going to happen in a year from now when we have our next provincial election. Mm -hmm. That's like June of next year, 2022. Right. Um, and, you know, and that's where things with you kind of fired up for a little bit there. You were considering running for Pickering Oxbridge uh, candidate for the NDP. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty awesome. Yep. Even, even just to consider it takes uh, a lot of courage because it is politically scary right now. There, to, to go into a role as an MPP... You need to know what you're doing. You need to have the passion behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, we were just talking uh, about passion. If you don't have passion to lead, then you need to be on the team, but maybe not the leader. Right. And as soon as you know that, this, as soon as you know that, um, I think the team is going to be more successful in moving forward. When you see Doug Ford... He just doesn't feel like a leader to me. I feel like his cabinet is running the show. Rod Phillips, Peter Bethlehem Falvey, you know, these are our local MPPs in Durham mm -hmm. Region. I feel like they are running the show, and Doug Ford is... The just, face. He's just kind of... He's always in front of the camera. He's the face. He's like, okay, guys, you know. He's he's like a dad who can't control his kids. And, and he's coming off with this, like, premier dad facade, and I'm not buying it. Not for a second. Yeah, I think to look to him as, you know, the the guy with the scruples, it's really challenging because it's not lost on me how his family became prominent in Ooh. in power. Like yeah. that's not lost on me. I I haven't forgotten, you know. Business. Yeah, business. Yeah. Yeah. A profits over people. Oh, I I, I mean, I believe uh, the actual Ford family had ties to drugs back in the day like they were goons and thugs and that's where the power was given to them yes i whatever this isn't about that but well funny story i i was a court reporter long before um actually when, when i was doing my teaching degree i was also a court reporter in the ontario uh court and okay. back in the day <laughs> when uh doug ford's brother was in the spotlight, obviously before his death, was in the spotlight for dealing with people of um, criminal nature. Mm -hmm. I, I was involved in a trial that involved one of those people. And it was... Um, I'm not sure how much you can say here. Well, it's, it was actually a preliminary hearing. So okay. then it went to trial at Superior Court downtown. Okay. But in this preliminary hearing, it was in camera. The judge said... No media, and if the media want this, then they're going to have to request it, and then, you know. Um, long story short, it, it was released to the media, but there was a period of time where, to protect the, you know, integrity of the court um, and the justice system, there was no information leaving that courtroom. Mm. You know, and, and working as a court reporter, you are, you know, you have to swear to secrecy and all those things, so you sit in the room, and you, you can't take any of that information out and talk about it. Right. But uh, that should cause everyone concern. Yeah. It should cause everyone concern that, you know, the mayor of Toronto is involved in um, 
interactions with people who are not doing good things. I agree. Like, there should be better options for everybody. Yeah. Like, you think about the U.S. election. It boils down to 72-year-old man, 74-year-old man. Both white, both mm-hmm. pretty much the same, but, you know, a little bit different in a few key ways. Um, but that's those are the best two, and everyone has to pick between those two. And I think with all this push from government and people feeling like they don't have options and options being closed and doors getting walls getting tighter and just everyone being forced into a box i feel like maybe the political system is going to be overhauled in a big big way like people should be pissed that they have limited options i don't know if people are aware like they see option one option two you know in canada fortunately in ontario fortunately we've got more than two options you've got a Green Party member. I right. really like Mike Schreiner. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, the Liberals, which, no comment. And you've got the Ford, uh, the PCs, no comment. And then you've got the NDP. And of course, there's other parties, but I'm talking about the four the major bigs. parties that are sitting in, in provincial government right now. Right now. And um, I think having options is really good. I've always, 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 always leaned towards orange and green. Yeah. Just because I am a bit of a tree hugger, right? Um, I've <laughs> the, gone orange, green. I've gone red, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's bizarre because when I was married to my husband, uh, he is a staunch conservative. And that was certainly an interesting marriage, you can imagine, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like being married to someone who has completely different political ideas than you do. I love puppies. And, oh, I kick puppies. We should get married. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the problem is I didn't know until we got married, right? And then he's, like, walking me over to vote for John Tory in the provincial election of, what, 2007 or 8? One of those two. Um, And it's interesting. I like John Tory as the mayor of Toronto. I really do. I watch CP24 every morning. Seems like a good man. Uh, You know, he can think fast on his feet. It's important. I I do like that. I I believe what he's saying is... uh, is the balance you know john tory to me as the mayor of toronto is is a good balance he's not the staunch conservative that you know uh i, th- I was voting for in, in back in the day i think he is a little more open-minded and that is that is what you need to do as a leader you can't keep repeating the same mistakes of history mm-hmm. you know um you have to move forward and you have to evolve that is truly what a leader does Right? You don't just hold on to old ideals and, you know, kick a dead horse. You, or what is it? Beat a dead beat horse? A dead horse. <laughs> yeah. You can kick it if you want to. I think you're supposed to beat the horse, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. The whole idea is awful, actually. But um, it's interesting politics. And, you know, I really, really, really respect that you gave it a, a, a hard eye and a hard consideration and you know, maybe being our next MPP for Pickering. Because, dude, I would choose you over Peter Bethlen Falvey any day. He seems okay, but he's absent. You know, as a person, as an individual, he seems very nice. There's a lot of nice MPPs. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of not nice MPPs. I have no problem saying that MPP is a nice guy. But it's what you do. Yeah. It's not about your your attitude you have to do stuff stuff you do has to matter it has to make people 
say yes that's we needed that done that was the thing yeah like um peter didn't even show up to the orchard villa um, vigil uh vigil it, i mean and it's like why because it's terrifying i get it peter i would not want to go to that either if i were you but suck it up get over it you need to be the representative leadership does put your hard hat on let's go yeah you need to show up you need to answer the hard questions you need to hear the hard stories um, how can you uh, how can you invoke change if you're not even listening to what the problem is mm -hmm. right um, I think it's a very scary world and fear has an amazing amazing power over people um, yeah me too my, my hands in the air yeah yeah it really it it's scary I was, right I was scared I was scared to go forward with it um, for sure it didn't didn't make sense based on what uh, what I, I hold as important for me in my life. It was going to be a giant departure from it. But having the conversation and, and actually saying that, I think that's huge. Um, there's probably a lot of folks who get into politics and, and don't really know how big of a chunk they're 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 going to have to deal with, right? Um, I got a good look at it that that. It was like a 10-day stretch. It was like a Friday I announced <laughs> we were going to do it. And yeah. By the next Sunday, it was like, no. Hey, you gave it 10 days. That You know what? That 10 right there. 10 days that, like, my stomach was in knots. Yeah. Any, any free time I had, any time that I wasn't yes. teaching, I was sitting down to read about the issues. I yeah. was, um I was reading books on how to, like, get people to like you quickly so that you can, <laughs> like, you know, like, seven-second persuasion, like... I'm, it, it was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is so much. And I know that it's only setting me up for a life that I don't think I want, at least at this point in my life, I don't want. If, mm. if being a politician means being that active on Twitter, mm. then I say no. Yeah. It's, and I, and I, I hope, I hope things change. I hope that that's not the gold standard. I hope that Twitter goes by the wayside. I hope that politicians don't live on Twitter. I fucking don't want that. So that's what I love about Twitter. I feel like I could do a whole PhD on the sociology of Twitter. Um, the president of the United States, outgoing Trump, he made Twitter a political platform where what you say actually means something. I mean, he was having conversations with North Korea over Twitter. Yeah. Like, let's not um, let's not diminish what Twitter actually is. Not that you are. Twitter is a powerhouse. Um, you can go on there and you can say pretty much anything. And, for instance, um, the guy who killed... Adam Brunt and Gary Kendall, the firefighter who killed uh, those two firefighters and almost myself, he has now sued me for libel and slander because of my Twitter. Now, what's really interesting about that is um, I have privilege. I'm a victim of events from February 8th of 2015, and I can talk about it until I'm as blue in the face as Adam Brunt was that day. And Terry Harrison, the trainer, and anyone else... You literally cannot sue me because what I'm saying is true. And it's a lot like, what if we sued every politician who lied mm -hmm. for libel and slander? It's like, you're speaking poorly about someone and that's not true. You can't. Twitter, Twitter has an invincibility about it. 
uh, not invisibility, invincibility. Right. And it's that's one of those words that you always like stop to tell kids what the difference is, right? Invincibility on Twitter is a real thing. People can say anything they want. And it's not like Facebook where you can hide comments. Um, you know, if someone gets nasty on Facebook, you can block them, you can delete their comment, you can hide their comment. There are tools to your disposal on Facebook. On Twitter, all you can do is block someone or mute someone. That doesn't make them go away. Mm -hmm. They will find another way to continue their advocacy or whatever they want to do. I guess my concern for Twitter is it doesn't really have an effect in the world. It has an effect on the world that looks at Twitter. Yes. I don't give a flying fiddler's fuck what you're saying on Twitter. That's what are right. you doing in the world? What are you doing? What what can I see evidence of in the real media? Not yes. not the media, the vacuum media where I choose who I follow, therefore yes. I choose what I see. Yes. I like this, so I see only this and what you the opposite of this is that and that's bad and I don't look at that. This yeah. is my world. It, like it's it's too fucking stupid. It's too stupid. You get stuck looking at what you want to look at. Twitter is the political platform <clears throat> it's where the leaders are shouldn't be and it's kind of like a big huge like hush hush secret almost like <clears throat> i think it's a secret you're all on the wrong side of i think the world knows how stupid twitter is and i think yeah. politicians are one of the last people to figure it out possibly but when the politicians are on there because the other politicians are on there it is a self-feeding cycle yeah it it is um cyclical and it's it's fascinating because uh in the political sphere if it's not on Twitter, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So now everyone is looking for those uh, proof of life postings from MPPs. It's like, okay, guys, seriously, I keep looking at like Bethlehem Falvey's Twitter. Where is he? He hasn't shown us a proof of life yet. Like, I want to see you standing at our waterfront right now, today, because we just got snow last night, right? We didn't have snow uh, this time yesterday for a few days. Get down there. I want to see you make, like, a snowman or something, you know? You can't make snowman in St. Bart's. <laughs> you could try. You can make Sandman, though. Yeah. Sandman's scarier than snowman. <laughs> yeah, probably. You can make, like, sand balls and throw them at people. Do you remember that movie that came out a few years ago? It was, like, a... It was a horror film called Snowman or something. It was, like... It was a snowman that was doing all these bad things. I was like, this has got to be a joke, right? <laughs> I haven't checked it out, but... That actually sounds like a movie my kid would really enjoy. Yeah. But it's not Olaf. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not your frozen snowman. No, but uh, you know, it's a. It's an interesting world. I don't fault you for your ten days of you know putting a toe in in the pool and being like hell no. I had a swig of the wine. <laughs> yeah. I didn't swallow. Yeah. Don't I didn't. Li I didn't like it. I didn't okay. like it. But. Okay. I don't like it as it is structured right now. And I'll tell you, the things I didn't care for were, like, Twitter was a big one. Yeah. Just knowing that I would need to live this life. I swear to God, I swear to God, if I'm here doing everything I'm supposed to be doing and there's someone on Twitter demanding that I step out on my front porch and show that I'm somewhere, I'm like, what the fuck are we fucking doing? Yeah. What the fuck are we fucking doing? So Why are true. we demanding this? But at the same time, we're living in this world where that demands it. the snowball's down the hill and everyone's doing it, so you got to do it or you're not one of them. And I, I just... I... Yeah, we were actually, we were just talking about uh, that grade six VIP peer pressure program that right. uh, was actually really great when I was in school. 
when I was in grade six and, you know, mid nineties or something. Um, I, I feel like some of our politicians could use that course. Oh, you know, yeah. it is okay not to do what your friends are doing. Yeah. It is okay to be that guy that says, nah, I'm I'm okay. I'm going to pass. Secretly, I've always thought that kid was the cool kid. The kid that would look at something stupid and be like, hey, I'm down for stupid fun, but this is just stupid, and I'm out. And for that reason, I am out. I think that's why you like me as your friend, because I was always that person. I, I am a, like, I grew up doing stupid shit, but I haven't died. I have a track record... That says, you're not that stupid yet. That is the question you ask your friends after something <laughs> crazy happened and everything was like, like everyone's like, oh my god! And then someone's supposed to say, yeah, but did we die? Yes. And then it makes it all better. You're right. It's, yes. Yeah. And what's interesting is when you are that person and you do have that perspective, you know, um, and then you do do something where someone dies. Mm. And it could have been you just as easily mm -hmm. that's where you get a little bit of uh an eye opener it's so sobering as as that adrenaline junkie um and uh, you know pretty much every first responder is an adrenaline junkie we wouldn't do that job if we didn't if we didn't have the ability to to check our fear and to say like yeah i'm scared but it's going to be epic right um it's very sobering when something does happen and then you're just kind of like shit i kind of wondered you know i kind of thought maybe this was dangerous but that just made it real that just showed us and it it applies to everything in life that's how we evolve right people die and then we're like shit we shouldn't do that anymore we should we should fix this we should make this better we can make this better we're humans you know the difference between a human and um any other mammal is our our brain our ability to conceptualize ourselves constructs being able to see how we fit in with the larger and how we how we are different and that, it's a sense of self right and as humans with these amazing brains that we have we're still stupid enough not to take into account human error Mm -hmm. Right. The people who are leading in this country and making change and making things better and making life safer for everyone. Um, they are the ones that have that higher thinking that we were talking about. And they do. They can see that big picture. The problem is getting it out and, and doing something with it. And I, I always think about long term care right now. It's like, how are how are people still dying? How are people still dying? How are we still having outbreaks in, you know, 50 plus? Is the military, would you call in the military at this point? Hell yeah. And like, why haven't we? We did before. I would have done it from the beginning. You need manpower. Like, this is a disease that requires manpower in order to... Humans on the ground, moving things forward. Yeah, and PPE. Yeah, so PPE, discipline. People and PPE. It's, it's the only way. Like, you look at any war that... Um, we've been through as humans and it always comes down to manpower and protection right it's not so much um what you have to fire back it's what do you have to protect yourself mm -hmm. right i do think we're in world war three i do think this is a civil war i think um the trump biden uh election 
is the biggest example. That was almost a 50-50 split. It yeah. was really close. Uh, that, and from our perspective here in Canada, not that our perspective is better than theirs, but just it's, it's different. We can see it from the outside. Yeah. That was it's a related. tire fire. Yeah. That 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 almost <laughs> yeah. that almost split decision was a damn tire fire. Yeah. That somehow like it burned in Canada. Like it, it dominated our thoughts. For sure. I think the smoke blew over here. Yeah. And uh I think it was an awareness for all of us and, and that is why there's pressure on our own provincial government, our federal government. It's the states have an amazing way of showing us where we can be at. If, if it goes badly, like, yeah, if, yeah, if we're complacent, um, the complacency is, is honestly what's behind human nature. Mm -hmm. That is the human error. We are, we're not perfect creatures, obviously. Um, the complacency. Mm -hmm. So I've got complacency actually tattooed on my wrist. Nice. Yeah. And that happened after, uh, after 2015 i wanted to bring it up yeah after 2015 and after you know everything that happened um because it is complacency is what's going to kill us every single time that is what kills humans we need to be in motion yeah and the problem with the word complacency is people people want to assign blame sure where blame needs to be assigned where accountability needs to happen absolutely but um we can't we can't get into this self beating place of where we're like, oh man, I should have known better. I'm so stupid. Why didn't... Nah, dude, you gotta move forwards, right? As, it's okay to recognize you are human. Mm -hmm. But we can't just stay there and beat ourselves up. Make yourself better, but don't beat yourself up about it. I know we're flipping back and forth. We're flipping channels here, watching multiple sports games at a time. But oh yeah, if we're good at that. <laughs> I beat myself up real good mm -hmm. when I did pull out of the race um yeah. i was like i was embarrassed mostly that it, like oh. i had uh i had thrown myself out there and then had to renege and i don't like being that guy and i think that's where my thought process veers is i don't like being the role like that guy that guy that guy and i didn't want to be the guy that said i'm doing this big thing and i need your help and i'm going for it and who's gonna help me and thank you thank you thank you let's go for it i'm not doing it anymore I, it, it, it bruised my ego, made me question things, made me just beat myself up a little bit. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I think it was my call to action. It was my sense of knowing that things aren't right, that I want things better. Someone should do something. I'm always telling everyone, be the change you want to be. Fuck, let's go. It's like, you don't like it? Stop talking about it. Grab a fucking shovel. Let's go fix it, right? But... With this, I was like, "There's the shovel's too heavy, and I don't, I, I don't know how to use this shovel, and I don't want to figure it out while I have to use this other shovel as well, and I'm tired, and I don't get this, and I don't want this right now, and it was all quick and too soon." But that was opportunity. I, I think perspective is everything. Okay. Um, it's so hard to have perspective of a big picture when you are in it. Right, you need to rely on your your family and your friends, people you trust, people you know will will you know care about you through thick and thin, to really give you that perspective. I rely so much on pretty much um, everyone else for perspective. 
I struggle with perspective. It's probably a side effect of PTSD, depression, anxiety. Um, perspective comes from other people. It doesn't, it's not something you can find on your own. It, it comes from other people giving you feedback on your actions. Mm -hmm. That is perspective. And it's such a wonderful gift we can give to each other. And it's free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and it's having conversations like these, right? So beating yourself up and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's going to be your instinctual groove that you go into because that is who you are. You're a hardworking person. You take your mistakes to heart. Um, and it, what's amazing about what you did in those 10 days is you, you stepped up to have the courage to look at something. Just look at it, right? Mm -hmm. That's not something our politicians can even do. I'm gonna generalize because I'm not gonna name anyone. Stepping up and looking at something and then kind of deciding, should we do this? Maybe we shouldn't. That's a thought process. And you have to think about how many people are walking around making the decisions in our world who are not having these thought processes. They're zombies. They're walking around with their heads somewhere else. And that is that is a huge problem because then there's people like you who are like, oh my God, what the hell? I can't I can't affect change as one person. But the thing is you can. You absolutely one hundred percent can. It takes one person. And I respect that you're like, that's not for me. Totally. I think everyone should be finding what is for them, mm -hmm. you know, rather than sitting on their couch and, and watching TV all night. I think we should all be questioning, what can we do to make the world better? What can I do in my community? Maybe it's just going over and checking on your neighbor. You just made the world better. You're just one person that checked on your neighbor and you never know what you're going to find by checking on your neighbor. Yeah. Right. Um, it's going to take that. Yeah, a hundred percent. But you know, for ten days to look at something and to really consider it, that is something that more people need to do. They need to look at it. They need to do their research. They they need to say, "I'm kind of interested in this, but I'm not really sure." And then taking a hard look at it. There's there's MPPs who uh, for sure are not designed to be MPPs. You know, I hope they don't run in the next election. I hope they have a hard look at, you know, the four years that they're going to put into making changes in this country or in this province, really, and and say, I can't do it. I would rather more people say they can't do that job than people think that they can and then get into it. And they can't. And they can't. Dude, I think I think you get an A plus on this one. If I was your teacher, I'd give you an A plus because you put the thought process into it. You know, as teachers in a classroom of kids, we're always asking them to think. Just think about it. You know, mm -hmm. put your eyes, put your ideas down on this piece of paper, or create this um, creative project. Show us, show us what's in your minds, right? And we're grading them on that. Why aren't we doing that with our politicians? Yeah, like Rod Phillips. Sorry, dude, you get an F. You really just kind of flunked. You got expelled. Yeah. I'm not even marking your fucking test. <laughs> yeah. You got expelled. Yeah. You didn't live up to the basic obligations of being a student. You know, as, as it's interesting because when I went through teacher's college um, and I did my practicums, I really liked teaching kids. 
but I don't like their parents. Yeah, that can be challenging. Yeah, it's actually, it was a deal breaker for me. Um, I would rather teach adults because I can tell them to go home. You're not here for the right reasons. I don't care. I, I don't care about how much you spent on this course. You're not in it. I'm not going to pass you. So either step up or go home. You can say that to adults, mm -hmm. right? You can't say that to, to kids in the same... Not in the same way. Not in the same way. I can give the same message. Yes. But use different words. But with kids, it's a learning experience. That's right. So for kids, we're never going to fail them. They will fail themselves, but we are still going to give them the second chance a third chance. Exactly. We're, they're kids. They deserve chances. But when you're an adult, there's there's accountability when you're an adult. That's different than as a kid. Mm -hmm. Right? I can't babysit MPPs who don't want to do their job, especially our own in Pickering. Right? And, and it's weird because if you do want to be... Um, if, you, if you do want to affect change in that area... You either need to compete against him mm -hmm. or you need to uh, create some kind of movement against him. Pressure. Pressure. So pressure, I, I love the word pressure so, 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 so much because we know basic physics, energy can't be created or destroyed. Mm -hmm. it, it goes into pressure. So when someone... Um, does something, there is a cause and effect that's going to create pressure in another area, right? You, you talked about the show Connected. Mm -hmm. That is um, the basics of energy. Just right? how everything is all connected. Energy is. is energy. Energy is not created or destroyed, so it's got to go somewhere, right? Um, yesterday, we had to bury our little pet ferret. Mm -hmm. R.I.P. Ferret? Yeah. What was the ferret's name? Uh, you know what? It had a few names. Um, her name eventually was Egg because she was like a weird white color. Like not... Eggs are not like bright white. Yeah, like eggshell white. Yeah. Like my walls. Go ahead. Yeah. that. Yeah. So Egg is what my son decided to call her. I think her name was... You know, I don't even remember now. The other one is Cletus. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Cletus Slackjawed Pirate. Yeah, and he's, he's uh, we call him a little jerk face because he just runs around. You have to get another name. That's my name for my dog, Maverick. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. It, it's actually a really great name for yeah, pets because it's, you know, they're animals. They, they don't care. <laughs> they just want to eat, sleep, and poop. So it's, uh, sometimes they can be jerk faces, right? Oh, gosh, we can totally get into animals like my dog, uh, Cozy. She has taught me so much about power and uh, pressure. Explain. Well, so my dog Cozy is um, a mutt from Ohio. Like, don't ask me what her breed is because she's about six different breeds. But she has PTSD. A lot of rescue dogs do. Um, unless you've had a dog that you can substantiate their, their life has never had any kind of trauma... I can't substantiate, like, I know she's had trauma. She came to me with bite marks on her face. Yeah. Now, my dog has never lost a dog fight. Okay. So I, I question if those bite marks were her being a victim or her winning a fight mm -hmm. against another dog. I'll never know, but I can tell you what I do know is she hates dogs. 
she uh, she sees a dog and she's like, I'm just going to punch you before you punch me. Yeah. You know, and it's like, hmm, there's a lot of people like that too. That's hypervigilance, you know, where your head is constantly on a swivel and... Overstimulation. And yeah. You're worried. You're scared. You're ready to take out a threat before it takes out you. Or you're ready to identify a threat or just simply a thing that is going to fuck your day up. That yeah. hypervigilance. Yeah. yeah. But like with, with someone that's got a violent tendency or a violent past because of yeah. whatever circumstances, yeah, that hypervigilance is probably going to lead to a lot of quick conflicts. So the kid at recess, yeah. you know, someone's open getting into a fight on the yard in the first minute of recess because they know how to do it, right? And we're mammals. We are just mammals. We are just animals. We're like, I don't even want to say sophisticated. We're just uh, more intelligent mammals than any other mammal on the planet. God. We can't, we can't rule out the whole dolphin thing. And we pigs. just can't. Pigs, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're on like, uh, apparently whales are incredibly intelligent, but we can't really measure that. But the thing is, we're measuring it. They're not measuring us. I know. Yeah. So, like, how do we not lose, or how do we not win? Like, we're yes. the ones conducting the testing. Well, you would think that. You would think, how can we not win? But we are subject to the same um, flaws as any mammal. And we have such a short lifetime to make it better for the next human. And I, you'd mentioned earlier, like, I, at least I interpreted it as such at the end of a life like we're supposed to be we're supposed to be bettering the species like we're supposed to be further ahead than we are right now i know that like telling someone that they're behind that they're so behind doesn't help them get any further ahead but like yeah. maybe all of humanity needs to realize right now we're doing it wrong like mm -hmm. we die and we live our whole life just for us and our family it's about like yeah. legacy acquisition and we're not trying to further the species like Yes. What, will, what will we look like in 200 years? I don't know. Yes. And we could get negative and say it'll be this or that, but, like, it'll be fucking interesting. Whatever it will be, it'll be very interesting. Yes. It, uh, why aren't we learning, like, we're, we're still fighting the racism battle. Oh, we're yeah. We're still fucking fighting racism. Yes. Yes. Uh, how about clean water for our indigenous? Yes. That's after insane. five years after we say, hey, we're going to make it right, and we haven't made it right yet. Yes. And... You know, everyone's going to have their niche of where they can put their energy because it's their passion. I wish more people had a passion for clean drinking water. Um, and, you know, I can talk about myself. I, I'm, I'm not up there trying to help out, but I want to. And if the opportunity arose where... I could maybe go to um, an indigenous area and assist with getting clean water. Hell yeah! I'll bring a busload of people. Well, we might have to fly in, but it's it's within our reach if we if we want to do it. Humans can do it. Yeah, but it's that systemic, like the the deck is stacked against First Nations people. One hundred and fifty. Like it always was, and it always will be unless we change it yeah right and it's um it's actually really interesting because i know for you your niche is kids you feel that you can do the onboarding your passion is onboarding your passion is to get these kids set up for success in life 
And I, I love that you know that. And I think, um, you know, your 10 days of taking a look at maybe running as an MPP or running to become, to become an MPP. Yeah. Um, I think you probably did a little bit of soul searching there. I think you probably did a little bit of, nah, this isn't for me. I'm not passionate enough to do this job. I'll hate it. I'll hate it. What, what you are passionate about doing is uh, teaching, educating, elementary. It's you. We need to start um, focusing on what our niches are because once we start channeling our passion and our energy into that one area, we can evoke change. We will make change. I, I want just to clear things up. Like I like teaching a lot. I love it actually, but I I can move away from it. Like mm-hmm. it's not the be all end all. I, I, I variety is great. Just to be clear, I I want I just want everything to be better. Like I truly want the world to be fucking better. Yeah. And my way of doing it is teaching. I'm good at that. Great. I want to expand on it though, because I I feel as though it's not enough and that's why this foray into politics was starting to make sense to me because i'm like oh i can do this but on a much bigger scale and i can really help people and i can i can break the things that are fucking stupid and build the thing that needs to be built but i didn't know how and it turns out i didn't want that part of the job but i am continuing to think further than just teaching further than just me and me me and my mind mine i'm trying to expand it. I, I want to make the world better and I'll be looking in the next few years mm-hmm. for other things that I can also do to try and help. Have you ever considered like a master's of ed? I don't even really know what I would do with it. Because you're such a lifelong learner. But what do you do? Like how does a master's of ed differ from the bachelor of ed that I have? Well, because you get to find your niche. So when you do a master's and then maybe even a PhD after that, you are looking at a thesis you are focusing, you're honing in on something that fires within you. And, and you, you might not know it yet, but dude, you are on the path. I think I keep going back to, you know, looking at the MPP side of things. So you're wearing an ETFO hat right now. And for your listeners, ETFO is Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. Um, that's where Jennifer French, MPP Jennifer French, got her start. I was actually her uh, her student teacher when she took a secondment to the uh, the Durham Etfo branch. Right. And she started working towards Bill One Fifteen. Yeah. Uh, well, working against, against Bill One Fifteen. I was like, I yeah. was like, what? No, She's no, no. her fault. No, I'm well, just... let's be clear. <laughs> Bill One Fifteen is <clears throat> interesting. So Lecce, our our minister of ed now, he is recent, uh, repealing yeah. Bill 115. So Bill 115 came out in 2013. It was um, legislation put in place by the liberals. Yep, Kathleen yeah. Wynne. <clears throat> the liberals. And it, it did a lot of things, but uh, I'll just talk about how relevant it was to my life. I had graduated the year before with my Bachelor of Ed. I did a whole bunch of professional development with like additional qualifications and additional basic qualifications. I took my instrumental music um, down at OISE. Do you have that right now? Yeah. So you, to, just so you know, like you've got a back solid backup plan being a music teacher someday because there are none. Go ahead though. So there are none, but with Bill 115, uh, that job went to the most senior teacher right. who wasn't qualified. Yeah. 
and that's a problem. So with music, okay, you know what? It's not the end of the world. Like no one's gonna die if they don't learn music. But in this is how uh, relatable it is to me now as you know, a former firefighter and trying to create some some kind of professional development in the fire industry in Ontario. The senior people are in the way. Mm-hmm. Seniority is not always the best um, solution. Yeah. I'm going to click like on that. Yeah. I'm going to smash the like button. Yeah. It, I mean, I'm generalizing. There are senior teacher, teachers who absolutely... Senior everything that are great yes. because they have experience that you can't lose unless you hit your head real hard. Yeah. Let's not lose those leaders. Like if they're leading right. because they, they can evolve with time. So the problem with seniority is there's no guarantee those people who have been there the longest are going to continue their own professional development. There's, there's really nothing that says um, you can't use an overhead anymore. You know, in schools that have the funding for uh, smart boards and things like that, why are you using an overhead, right? Sure, it's a tool, but it's is it the greatest tool? You're only going to hit um, a small percentage of your learners. Like, different, differentiated learning is is still a word that applies today. It's always going to apply. It's because no person is the same as the person beside them. Mm-hmm. Our brains are so different. You know, in, in the professional development world for firefighting, you've got a lot of um, people who are hands-on learners. Mm-hmm. So telling them to read a, a textbook, they can't learn from it. You know, a lot of kids can't learn from an overhead projector. So how do we, how do we uh, ensure that the people who use those tools in the past, like an overhead projector, or maybe just through a textbook at someone... We need to, like, we really need to change that as educators in any field. In any field. We can't better ourselves if we're, if we're doing the thing we did 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and when we come down to a safety industry like firefighting, um, you know, it applies to kids too, right? Like, look at how we deal with anaphylaxis in a school or how we deal with um, behavioral issues in a school. It's, thank God, it's not Aren't like... they the same? We just stab them in the leg? Yes, yes, but you have an EpiPen to actually stab them in the leg with. You didn't have that 20 years ago. Or, well, maybe you did. I just want to go on record and say, I will never stab a child unless they are having an anaphylactic. But legislation says you as a teacher can administer that um, EpiPen to that child, and for a long time you couldn't. And and kids died. And I I unfortunately don't know the name of the legislation, but it, it is a memorial. It's named after a boy's name. I forget what it is. Yeah, Jacob, Jacob's rule, Jacob's law. There's, there's, um, there's so much legislation from dead kids, you know. Um, thank, you, yeah. Thank God we care enough to change, but we're only doing it about things that are life and death. And I, I see it as when we're teaching kids that is life and death later on in life, right? Uh, what we're teaching them now is going to impact what they do later in life. Yeah. That is your niche, dude. That, that is. And I think with a little bit more um, percolating, I, I truly believe that you are going to find your, your passion within your passion. Like your passion is education. I think there's something burning, some embers down there burning 
and you just gotta like throw some things on it and kind of see what ignites it right not every fuel is going to ignite that flame it's just hard because teaching and i'm not complaining i hope i'm not complaining i don't think that i am but teaching isn't a job that you can kind of do you have to fucking do it or you don't do it yeah. like if you're going to be successful and feel successful and have success in your classroom you have to give a shit if you want your kids to be successful and in this day and age everything is so exhausting yeah. and tiring that you talk about this you know pour some pour some gasoline on this ember and see like i don't have embers like that's all i have if i'm lucky i've got embers when i get home it's a, it's a different it, it's do. a different animal you have embers because, like I said before, you're still alive. Um, I think the folks who who lose the embers, they're the ones that do take their lives. Mm. And it's, like, to go real heavy here. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Suicide! Um, <laughs> but, but actually, you know, suicide happens because people, they lose purpose. You know, and I... I am a, a very strong advocate of telling people that they still have embers in them. You're still alive. Oh, yeah. Right? If you're still alive, you still have embers. And it's just a matter of um, keeping that going. Mm -hmm. So whatever you got to do, God, stay away from Twitter. Because that's mm -hmm. going to, like, that takes away the oxygen you need for those embers to keep going. Right? It's so funny. Mm -hmm. I... I didn't even, even on my own personal Facebook, I didn't know what to write for those 10 days when I would sit down to post. I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm flipping through stuff. I'm like, I'm going to say something funny. No, that's stupid. Yeah. No, you can't write that. It's dumb. Uh, I'm just going to wish everyone, no, like, what's the point? What am I, why am I doing, I'm going to post this article. I really enjoyed it. And I know that, you know, a few of my friends will probably, no, I don't know. I what? And then I started saying, is anything worth posting? Like, how the hell do you decide what's worth posting and who decides and I guess it's me and I decide no and then it, it actually made me walk away from Facebook yeah even like personally like I stopped paying as much attention to it yeah which kind of sucks because like that's one of my connections with my family and friends and yes when you mentioned suicide I think people that don't feel connected people that don't feel like there's a reason to to continue because they're not connected. I think that that's yeah, that's one of the big uh, big factors. Yeah, it is a big factor. It's the perspective piece, right? When you have the people around you to give you perspective, you have purpose and perspective. Um, that's why people go to church. Yeah, I can. I grew up Catholic, but I'm atheist. I'm very spiritual, but I do not subscribe to one religion. I can go to any church and listen to any sermon and find perspective and purpose in my life from it. I actually like reading the Bible. Do you? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess because, um, You should invite me over sometime so we can read the Bible together. It sounds like fun. I have a picture book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, the Bible's fantastic. So I have this really vintage, um, picture Bible book that my grandmother gave me and she even, like, wrote on inside the cover. She... She actually um, sewed a fabric cover for it. No way. Yeah, like this is, um, it's a pretty meaningful book. That's why I still have it because I, I don't have any other Bibles. This is my only Bible. I think I have a Bible picture book. Like uh, 
Bible stories, you know, illustrated all in the way that they would be in the late eighties or early eighties. Like I think I've, my mom's got my book. Yeah. If you, if you can take away like the scary, um, like Bible thumper kind of, uh, scariness I guess of religion like religion is scary because you don't want anyone to tell you what to think right but but if someone gives you um a story from the bible or maybe like something from proverbs you could apply it to your life yeah like Jesus was a real guy who did some really epic stuff like he's he's like uh Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa, or mm-hmm. I mean, there are people within our lifetime who are Jesus, yeah. and we just need to kind of like step back a little bit and recognize that the Bible is a historical document. It's Jesus is historically real, um, and then you know you just stick to kind of like the basic fundamentals, and it's not even about religion anymore. It's about a guy who did some cool, sh- some cool shit. He cared about his community. Yep. He put other people before himself. And then he was crucified for it. Because of power. Power and control. You know, it's it's actually really cool. I like the Bible. Um, I had to read it in first year, like Genesis. Um, Mm -hmm. I had to read it in first year university. Um, I think it was cultural studies. We had to read it as literature. And it, it was interesting. I, I did enjoy reading. I made a joke, but I, I did enjoy reading the Bible that way. And then reading, like, the deeper meanings yeah. into it. You know, like, uh, you know, Adam and Eve and the snake and the apple. Mm-hmm. I, the snake is, the snake is Adam's penis. What? Yeah, and she bit the forbidden fruit. Ew. But, like, the snake <laughs> did it, you know, like, so yeah. the woman, she, she's, she got them cast out. But oh, it was yeah. like, hey, touch this real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, don't touch that. You're, get out. Yeah, yeah. You're both out. And then the shame on women. Yeah. And then, like, that, it's the man had, oh, no, the snake did it. I had, Adam had nothing to do with it. I was a snake. But, like, when you read it as literature, you can, you're free to yeah. compare it with other stories. And, yes. And you're not, you're not sensitively worried about um, offending anyone in the no. religion piece because it's, it's, you doesn't necessarily it. need to be there, right? It's just a book that is it's full of some cool stuff. Yeah. But some of the stuff's really out there and like, you know, I'm sorry, if you believe 100% of your Bible, I don't know that I believe in you 100% then. Yeah, well, you know what? It's it's kind of like um, to each their own. Yeah. Right? You can believe in whatever the heck you want to believe in. True. Just be a good person. Yeah, I don't care what you do. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt anyone else. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, if you believe in a religion that is maybe counter to another religion, which I don't think exists, but people interpret their religion like that. And that's where you get, like, suicide bombers and stuff. Mm-hmm. They truly believe they are going to, you know, receive something for their sacrifice and all of the things. We can't diminish what is actually in another person's mind, right? But it's not okay no. to blow up other people. And you probably shouldn't do it to yourself. I, I think that those are really good rules to live by. Yeah. It's kind of like the basic rules of, I think, every religion, which they're all stories. You know, what we're doing right now is actually storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not writing a super cool book about it, but... Maybe not we, yet. Maybe we will someday. Not yet. Yeah, but storytelling... Don't limit me. No. Storytelling <laughs> is something that... Um, we need to hold on to because it's it's how we again have perspective 
right? Um, like if you went into your classroom and you told your kids about this super cool guy who did these really cool things and, you know, he was a martyr of his time. And then they're like, oh my God, who was it? JC. <laughs> You'd be like, it was Jesus H. Christ, you know? And then, the, then they'd be like, whoa, I didn't know that. It's, we got to tell stories of the people who do the things that we strive to do ourselves in our own lifetime. Storytelling is one of my favorite things. And I like telling stories where there's a purpose. And I know that I am a long-winded individual, I've been told. <laughs> people wait for me to stop talking before they jump in because I'm going to talk until I'm done. But I love telling a story with a purpose at the end that's going to mm -hmm. make them go. I see the point now. Yeah. And I, I almost enjoy it. waiting and, and making them wait until the end when they go, I don't get it, I don't get it. Oh, shit, I get it. And mm -hmm. I do that in the classroom mm -hmm. all the time, but I feel weird doing it with adults. You know what? I I think um, I think you doubt yourself a lot. Yeah, I know. And that's one of the things I'm working on. I'm just trying to be like, uh, I, I'm trying to always see myself accurately, and I realize that no one can really see themselves exactly accurately and maybe I'm worried about what what you reflect back to me about who I am. Maybe I just need to do it for me. You know what I don't do enough for me. You know what's behind self doubt? What's that? Caring about what other people think. Yeah. That's where self doubt comes from. And we do it as um, from the very beginning of of our existence. We self doubt. It's okay. I think we need to focus every day on why we self-doubt. What hinders us from going out and doing that thing? Because it's every day, it's everybody, it's innate, it's part of our wiring. The self, self-doubt is actually what makes us better. It's what makes us evolve. Um, you have to push through that. It is, it's a, it's an internal dialogue that comes from external actions, right? Or, or happenings. The self-doubt comes from watching the world and reflecting it into ourselves and saying, well, what does this mean to me, right? I think it goes down to purpose. I think, I think they're tied, they're connected. Self-doubt and having a purpose. When you self-doubt, you lose your purpose. Why am I teaching anymore? They don't even listen to me. I'm not even good anymore. Or, you know, whatever the dialogue is, we all have that inner dialogue and it's, you can do two things with it. You can let it eat you up and then you'll probably uh, drink it away, smoke it away, gamble it away. Or you can say, yeah, it's okay to be scared of the unknown, of doing something I haven't done before, of of being uncomfortable. It's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things out there about comfort zones. You can't, um, you can't evoke change if you're, if you're not, if you're in your comfort zone. Right. Cause nothing changes in the comfort zone. You come home to the same house, to the same lock on your door, you punch in the same number, you go in, you make the same dinner. The cycle is the same. But if we're going to grow, we have to say, whew, I'm scared, but I'm doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, that's honestly the biggest challenge for anyone. I think what's really hard though is COVID-19, pandemic of 2020, 
pushed everybody inward. Inward. We we're all looking inward. Yeah. And then when you you realize, oh, I've been too inactive. I need to be more active in life. Boom. It hits you. What the fuck can I do? We're not allowed to be active right now. Mm -hmm. And that is where the struggle is right now. For mm -hmm. me. Yeah. I know things I need to do. I know what's missing. I know that I'm missing the, the sausages right now. My hockey team. Tuesday <laughs> nights. Oshawa. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. D division. Maybe D1 this year. I don't know. Could have been. Yeah. But I miss the boys. I miss seeing them. I miss going to hockey. I miss... Mm -hmm. I miss thinking about how tomorrow's hockey or fuck back to work, but yep, tomorrow's hockey, not a big deal. Like I don't yeah. have that anymore. I don't, I don't have a chance to go and, you know, get all that pent out energy out. You lose perspective when you're not around your people. And then what's worse is I lose the drive that I would normally have yeah. where I might jump on the treadmill so I could be a little bit faster yeah. at hockey. Yeah. Maybe I'll go dick around and, and stick handle in the driveway so I can be better at hockey. And I think now, I'm like, I don't know what the point is. I don't know the next time I'll play hockey. It won't. I probably won't be the winter of 2021. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know, though. Like, maybe. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a big part of my purpose. It's, it's at least a, a chunk of who I am. The teacher chunk is the other piece. Mm-hmm. The good guy that does good things for people, that's another piece. Yes. But when you're on vacation during a pandemic and you don't have your purpose of teaching and you can't go and see people when you're a social person. Yeah. Can't do that. Not as easily, not as careful. Yeah. You know, like you got to be careful and stuff. Um, it's, it's just challenging. And then you look inward and it's like, well, yeah, I'm going to see a lot of negativity right now because things are pretty negative right now. But yes. Y yeah. You've got to nowhere to look to find the positive so you don't get stuck because i'm long-winded in my own brain too and i make myself listen to myself so you're stuck and if it's negative shit you're gonna feel negative yeah actually so negative stuff that is um just an innate part of being on this planet everything is balanced right like there's negative and then there's positive uh, this um one strange rock that i was watching they talk about how everything is about collision and conflict. Uh, the Earth wouldn't exist if it didn't collide with other, you know, celestial bodies and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we really have to stay focused and say, a bad day is warranted. Because how many good days do you have? Way more. Yeah. And you know what? Michael Landsberg, um, he's a, a huge mental health advocate. He had posted actually on Twitter yesterday... Um, his two forearms, he rolled up his sleeves and he showed on his forearms the difference between 2008 and 2020. I think that was right. 2008 and 2020, so that's 12 years. In 2008, he put a mark on his forearm for every bad day he had. And there was more than half. Like, I think it was 200 and something marks. For 2020, he only had, like, I think, 58 or somewhere along those lines. So that gives him perspective. That is the tool and the model that he needs he to have He quantified his happiness, and he was able to use that model yeah. to say, I'm doing better. I'm doing better. And, and the thing is, with um, the pandemic, we don't have distractions to do better. It's, it's so challenging when you can't go and work out or have um, you know, your social life the way that you used to have it, right? Mm -hmm. There is something about giving a hug to your friends that you can't do that right now. And that's so hard on our mental health. Like, we can't... I personally actually... Because at hockey, we hug all the time, and yeah. we 
I haven't hugged Rob in weeks. Months. <laughs> Sorry. But maybe even um, just that, like, uh, what's the word? Um, what's that called when you're, like, with the guys? Camaraderie. Yay, that's the word. The big C word. That's, go ahead. You don't have it. <laughs> and humans evolved on that. Yeah. You know, where did it go? It's, holy crap, this is maybe the first time in a long time that we've had this kind of challenge. And I and the challenge is unique to our time than, you know, 1918 when the last pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. I think I think we're way luckier um, right now. I wasn't alive, TJ. Go ahead, though. Yeah. I mean, it sounds it sounds awful for me to say that when there are tons of people dying. But I think 1918 is um, is a time where we can't even imagine like they had chamber pots still in 1918. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't have running water in 1918. You need distractions yeah. to survive. You know, I think about like But PT not too many. Not too many and that's the problem. I think Healthy. you talk about zombies and people not being awake. We we They're just very distracted. We 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 are very uncomfortable being uncomfortable. So we distract yeah. ourselves constantly. Consumerism is a fantastic distraction. It's like, oh man, I hate my job so much. Thank God it pays for me to buy this shiny new BMW. It's like, do you really need a shiny new BMW? Or is that just kind of a distraction from maybe some other things? Could be. I don't know. Like they might be getting a shiny new BMW because they're a real estate agent and fucking unionville and they need to look the part and i don't know like but why is it like that why can't i just is is a is a real estate people that buy in in unionville with that that agent they they don't want to see me roll up in a 2013 on a fit <laughs> it's way more spacious than you imagine get in the back there's room it's I, fine move my hockey stick out of the way i might take you more serious though because i don't know what you earn as a real estate agent why do, you, why do you have to fake it to make it? But, yeah. But then there's the other piece, right? Like, we're all free to do whatever makes us happy. And oh, 100%. So, if, like, uh, I guess I guess judging. my point is, no, I know you're not judging. Um, it's just, I think I'm way more likely to be like, yeah, what the fuck ever. You want to ride a fucking unicycle to work? I see you on Bailey Road. Have a great day. Yeah. Good for you. That guy going down Bailey? Yeah. Go enjoy your unicycle. Like. You got to think about that guy for, for two seconds. He doesn't wake up, um, well, okay, maybe he wakes up with self-doubt, and then he's like, screw it, I'm riding my unicycle. Yeah. Because um, I'm going to say majority of people are like, the hell's that guy doing? Yeah, like me. Like, look at that guy, he's a fucking unicycle. Have you ever seen a unicycle? What if he falls? Yeah. How does he fall? How does he learn to fall? Has he learned to fall? Has he ever fallen? Can I tell you a secret? Yes. I learned to ride the unicycle when I was nine for $20. <laughs> my dad how long were you a carny for before you got out i know i should have been a carny i'm such 20 dollars you rode a unicycle what the fuck you're a firefighter and a teacher and all this you're an interesting person i am you know what not to like toot my own horn i try i try to wake up and i say just be humble and kind just be hum humble and kind but i do have a lot of life experiences that make me who i am i think if you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone that's only like 2% of people in the world. Maybe I'll step out a little bit more and make it 3%. That's how percent works, right? One equals one, one person, no? Yeah, maybe. I yeah. don't know. You're the... 
You're the teacher. <laughs> School's not for a few days. I'll, I'll study up again. Yeah. Well, you know, what's really fun about having a, a kid who's in grade six is that he's getting into those, uh, into the curriculum now where it's like, yeah, I could probably relearn this. It's not a bad thing. When they re rejig the curriculum, I'm teaching grade seven now for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh, I don't think I ever learned it that way. No. And and you have uh, boys and girls going through puberty. And do you have to teach health? I'm not the health teacher. My boy, my boy Tom is. And uh, I can't wait. I might not take my prep. I'll just sit there and watch. Okay, so that guy cannot go into that classroom with any self-doubt at all. No, Tom doesn't Tom doesn't own self-doubt. Yeah. That's no, not a thing. He's 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 a in the fire world we say the one percenters. It's only one percent in the fire industry of people who are going to lead, you know. The the one percenters are the, are the ones that go outside of their comfort zone and just be like, All right, boys and girls, gonna teach you about puberty. I like that. I I really enjoy teaching uh, the growth and development part because it is weird and you get to shape how they interact with it oh, yeah. doesn't need to be doesn't need to be weird weird no right? it, it doesn't need to be weird at all and for I, years i always separated the boys and the girls when i did the talk yes. and lately i haven't been I, and i like it i think it's important that i know what what your parts in your garage do and what you know you should yeah. probably know what my parts in my garage do they're going to be making babies someday. Probably a lot sooner than we want. They don't have to. It's it's a choice, people. You don't have to procreate breeders. Sorry. But as humans... That's what we do. We're very, very, very good at making babies. We think about... We think about ourselves. We make babies. We build cool shit. And then we spread out and take over all of the foreseeable area. We're a lot like a parasite, but that's a whole other, that's a whole other, uh, or not like a parasite, a virus. We are a virus. We're like a virus. Are we the virus or is? Oh, this has gone meta. It's time to <laughs> time to end it. All right, we got we got to shut her down because I'm hungry. I want to go make a grilled cheese sandwich. So. Well, TJ, thank you for your time. Thank you. This is my very first um, podcast. First of many, I think. Hey guys, it's me again. I just wanted to say um, while TJ and I were talking about EpiPens and anaphylaxis and proper responses to it, um, we couldn't place the name of the law um, in Canada that changed everything. And uh, I did look it up afterwards. It is not Jacob's law. It is Sabrina's law. And uh, I just wanted to apologize if anyone was offended by that and uh, wanted to clear it up. So Sabrina's law. Thank you.